We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. You see, they told me I'm the one that's gonna benefit. What's good, everybody? Before we get started on today's episode, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Abel Resin, Ben Kotzian, Christopher Villasquez, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Nick Crummage, Mike Wozniak, Thomas Robinson. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum is where you can support the show. We are at 56 patrons right now, trying to get 100 by the football season. So we got a couple months. And if you go to the Patreon right now, you'll see all the new updates. Shout out to David Martinez. Your merch is on the way. Bernsey, your merch is on the way. And Nick Chavez, your merch is also on the way. So if you go to the Patreon and you pledge, depending on the certain tier, you'll get certain incentives and perks. And sometimes the episode early. And starting now for the month of June, the giveaway for the $10 tier is going to be the UFC 290 pay-per-view this weekend is going to be on us. So someone... In the $10, $20, and $40 tier, I'm going to pick out of a hat, and I'll promote it on Saturday, the winner, and we'll get in touch with you, and we'll pay for the pay-per-view for you. So it's an $80 offer. That's the value of the pay-per-view. If you want to buy the pay-per-view, cool. If you don't, it is what it is. You do whatever you want with that $80, but we're going to send you $80 in order to buy the pay-per-view, or like I said, do whatever you want with it. That's going to be one of the giveaways for the $10 tier. In the $20 tier for this month, $20 and $40 tier, I should say, if you are eligible. In the month of June, if you're a Patreon member in that tier, someone is going to win a bomber jacket. That's going to be the perks for the month of June from the website. The website is in the description of the bio for this episode. And every episode, if you guys want to go get some merch, you can go over to the merch store. But for one member in the month of June, that's going to be the giveaway for the $20 and $40 tier. And then one member in the $5 tier is going to win a VM tank top, which is also available on the merch store. I want to start giving back to everybody who's been helping and especially the people who have been donating to the Patreon. And like I've said, on many different occasions, I haven't been able to fulfill a lot of the things that the Patreon says I should be doing. There's just a lot on my plate and I am a one man show here at VM. So this is a way to just give back to everyone every month moving forward. Now that we have a merch store that I don't need to 
go and get the merch done like I used to in the past. We just have someone that gets it done and then sends it out to you. So that's really helpful. So subscribe and support the show, like I said, at patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Got a couple of housekeeping notes before we get into today's episode. And I do want to touch on the NBA finals. Starting next week, we start our NFL coverage leading into the regular season. For those of you that are new to Veterans Minimum, which there are a lot of new faces and names that are attached to the show, and also a lot of new fans because the show has been growing month over month, which is always my main goal, one month to another, just continue to grow. So shout out to all the new people that are listening to the show. Thank you for coming on board. And big ups to everyone that has been listening to the show all these years because you guys are the best co-sign that we have. You're promoting the show you're telling people that you're listening, you're tagging us on social media. It goes a long way. There's no other promotion done for Veterans Minimum outside of whatever you see on social media and the listeners of the fans already telling other people that you're listening to this show. So it does go a long way, which leads me to a shout out to Feedspot. They are a blog with over 250,000 podcasts on there. And I got an email from them last week saying that Veterans Minimum is a top 50 betting podcast on their website. We are at number nine. We got to get to number one because you know we are coming for everybody that's ahead of us. But shout out to you guys, the listeners of the show for, again, promoting the show, telling people about it. We got on this list. So I'm super grateful to everyone that spreads the word about the show. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. It seems like you are getting a lot of good feedback, especially in the off season for the football, the football off season, I should say. It's just going a long way and, and it means a lot because you guys know how much this show means to me. So continue to shout it out. Shouts to Feedspot for giving us that rub on their website. And like I said, NFL coverage is going to start this week, actually. And then you'll be able to get next week's episodes in advance on the Patreon. So another perk. So enough about that. Let's talk about the NBA Finals. We are at 1-1. Miami stole game two in Denver. And there are so many things I want to discuss because especially what's crazy about the NBA more than any other sport, the massive overreactions from one game to another. And I've fallen victim to this in the past. And I know I've mentioned this in the past also. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. We need to wait and see how things play out. And I get it that we have to create content about it and we need, we need to have talking points. But after game one, it was, oh my God, there's no way Denver's losing this series. There's no way Denver doesn't sweep them. There's no way Denver doesn't win in five. Denver can still win in five. They're not going to get the sweep because now it's 1-1. But after game one, it's, oh shit, it's over for Miami. They stand no chance. And now Miami steals game two and it's like, oh, what happened to Denver? Denver sucks all of a sudden. It's the first time that they lost at home all playoffs. They are now 13-4 and four in the playoffs. Still super successful so far and it's 1-1 and they're still a minus 300 favorite to win this series prior to game two they were a minus 800 so a massive overreaction from the books as well going from minus 800 to now minus 300 and let's remember that when this series opened the Denver Nuggets were minus 450 I had said prior to the NBA final starting I felt like Denver should have been a bigger favorite as opposed to how I said Miami shouldn't have been a 4-1 to dog against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the biggest takeaway for me through the first two games of the NBA Finals was the biggest handicapping factor for me coming into the series was the coaching. 
And Spolstra has completely outcoached Malone over at Denver. And there were a couple of times where they would pan the camera to Malone and he kind of had that lights are on but no one's home look because he even knows that that Spolstra is just outcoaching him. Whether it's the matchups, whether it's the guys that he's getting contributions from that were DNPs earlier in the playoffs. Duncan Robinson all year, people have been making fun of his contract for making... He, he signed the biggest contract for an undrafted guy in like NBA history and people were shitting on that deal that Miami gave to him. And basically game two, he was one of the key guys that propelled them to victory in Denver, a place that's really hard to win in. Like we said, we know about the altitude, but also Denver, it was their first loss at home in the playoffs and the crowd was going crazy. And even going into the fourth quarter, they were up close to double digits going into the fourth quarter. And it always seemed like Denver was just going to be able to pull away. But Miami, man, they've been doing this all playoffs. All playoffs have been doing it. They did it. They did it in the playing game. They did it to Milwaukee. They did it to my New York Knicks. And they did it to Boston. They just find a way. They will chip and chip and chip. They are super scrappy. And you're not going to put them out without being in a dogfight. And that's what you saw. You saw Gabe Vincent had a monster game. Bam has been amazing. Right now, to me, he's the MVP through the first two games. Monster game one, monster game two. Defensively, he's getting cooked by Jokic, but Jokic cooks everyone. But Bam has been outstanding in the NBA Finals so far. You can get him at plus 650 to win NBA Finals MVP if you think that the Miami Heat are going to pull it off. Jokic is the heavy favorite, then followed by Jimmy Butler. But I think that's an interesting one. Bam out of bio to be NBA Finals MVP at plus 650. But Jokic, Jokic in this series, it was funny because I was on VEASAN earlier, earlier last week uh, between game one and two, and we talked about the NBA Finals. And I said it as like a joke. And it, if you look at game two, this is exactly what Miami did. I felt like the only way Miami could win this series is if you let Jokic go out there and get 40 and 50 points. And you're saying to yourself, why are you going to let someone just go out there and dominate like that? Because Jokic is so deadly on the floor, not just because of his scoring. It looks so effortless. But when Jokic puts up the, the 38, 18, and 16, those monster triple doubles, you can't beat Denver. You can't have Jokic putting up 40 and getting 18 assists or getting 13 assists because then that means KCP is going, Bruce Brown is going, Porter Jr. is going, Jamal Murray, he gets his own. But you can't have those other guys starting to eat off Jokic and it seemed like Miami in game two was like, yo, you know what? Let him go crazy. He only had four assists in game two. That's, that's massive. This guy's averaging close to double-digit assists. That's an extra 12 to 15 points that they're not getting. Whether it's a three or a two, we'd have to really do a deep dive. But those are an extra 12, 15 points that the other guys are getting. And then they're falling into rhythm. And then they just become impossible to guard. And I wonder if that's going to be Spolstra's game plan. Yo, we can't stop Jokic offensively. Let him just go. Let him get those walk-in layups, those little like hook layups, the teardrops. Let him do that. We just can't have him going out there and getting 35, 20, and 18. That's going to be the problem for us. And if you look at how they played him defensively in game two, I think that was the big difference. You got to just let him go out there and score 40 and 50 and break all these NBA finals records. It don't matter because that's what happened. In game two, they let him go nuts offensively and scoring, but he wasn't facilitating like he's done in the past, like we've seen. And that's what makes Jokic and Denver so deadly. 
And now they're going back to Miami. If there's anything you guys have heard over the last couple of years, this time of year, it's the Miami flu. Now they're going to be in Miami for about six days because they got to play game three and they got to play game four. We're not being funny. We're being serious. Miami has one of the best records against the spread at home since they started as a franchise, what, 40 years ago because of this. There's a lot of cool shit to do in Miami. It's an amazing town. It's a party town. And these dudes are all in their 20s and millionaires. They're not just going to stay in the hotel. We've told the stories many times in the past. People go down there and they have fun. Now they're going to be there for a long time. So the Miami flu is a real thing. And I think my prediction, I know we're going to record something before game four, but I think this is going to be 2-2 going back to Denver. My prediction was Denver in five, Denver in four, and then Miami in six. That's the only way that I bet this series because I'm not going to lay minus 450 on a favorite. I'm just not going to do that. So I try to find some value in how I think the series is going to play out. And look, two of the three bets are still live. If you are a Miami fan, you needed that to happen. You needed to split games one and two. And that's exactly what happened. And now they're going to be in South Beach. And Miami is a tough place to play in. For as much shit as the fans got years ago when they were walking out game six of the 2013 NBA Finals, when Ray Allen hit that wild shot that'll live forever, it's a tough place to play. And I think a lot of the distractions off the court is a big reason for that. So these finals have been amazing so far through two games. Even game one was pretty dope. Both teams just looked very, very nervous. I think Denver shot 30% from three and Miami shot 31% from three. From three. So to me, it's a series that I think Miami is not going to go away easy because they just never do. And I'm excited for game three and four in Miami. If you're a Heat fan, you're feeling good about yourself, and you should if you're Denver also, because I think Denver's going to figure it out. And it's going to be a fun series. And it's continuing to be fun. So what you guys are about to hear now is a conversation I had with Alan a couple of months ago, actually, when he was here in Vegas. And we talk about the future of sports, sports betting, the media landscape. And it's a really interesting conversation, and it's still super relevant. It's one of the reasons why I'm releasing it now is because these kind of episodes, like you guys know, during the football season, football off season, I like to get a little creative. So it's a fascinating conversation that we have. I think you guys are going to find it really interesting, especially if you're aspiring to enter this kind of field. I think it's a really dope conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. So before Alan joins us, I want you guys to go and show him some love on social media. It's at Alan Sturk, S-T-R-K on social media. At Nick Day is 10 as you can find me. And all things Veterans Minimum is at Veterans Minimum on social media. And we will be back on Thursday with some more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. More NFL stuff. So this is the first episode that I record here on this side. Landmark moment. Landmark moment. I want to start doing more of these and shoot it from a different angle because I think these are going to be more of the, the podcast and chill kind of vibes. Just a general conversation about whatever it is where when I'll be recording over there, it'll be like the current events kind of thing. And what I want to talk to you about, Alan, since I have you here, is we randomly have these conversations about the future of media and sports media in particular and where the content space is going and how we feel about it. And you're interesting to have this conversation with because you're also in that field. Are you good to talk about what it is you do outside of like coming on Veterans Minimum? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I keep it a little silent just because we have so much to talk about right? when it comes to football, soccer, MMA, basketball. That's why you know, I'm, I'm dialed in when we're talking about what's going on with these leagues, teams, et cetera. But it's good to step back and talk about my background from mainly sports, a little bit of music as well. But currently working at Odyssey now a year. It went by, definitely. But being a content strategist where it's just like you're learning about different radio stations and podcasts. And I want to emphasize radio because I feel like in this podcast-driven world, radio still has influence, especially with the local market. Like if you're a fan, a team in New York, Boston, Chicago, San Fran, the list goes on, Dallas. Like I've learned a lot how influence. You want to, if you're a Patriots fan, you go to a WEI, Eagles, WIP, Warriors, 95.7, the game. These are just stations I work with consistently. And you want to hear like latest updates from a head coach or a GM or even an owner. They get those exclusives. So even though podcasting is everything, we love that hour, hour and 15 episode. We love these national shows. We love hearing what the biggest names are talking about. I think it's still really important. And even from a journalist level, just knowing about some of the local markets, seeing what's going on in Philadelphia or Dallas or Miami. It's just like understanding they're on that beat day in and day out. They've watched that game against a last place team or their report on a story that isn't getting that much recognition. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned over the past year is just like how much value you have to put on these local markets. Because they're in day in, day out and you'll know what could break that could be a national story. Seeing something that grows locally become the biggest trending topic for that day. Well, I've always said how People that cover one particular team, they naturally know more about that team than national media coverage does because it's just, you're so much more hyper-focused on, it's like, a, it's the macro versus micro, right? Like the macro is you're talking about all the NFL teams. And yeah, you have a general understanding of all the teams. However, the micro is, well, I'm just talking about the Denver Broncos. I'm just talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Dude, it's the best whenever we talk about anything NFC South 
when the NFC South is making headlines, whether positive or negative, it's dope to have you on because you have a dog in the race and also you're covering one team that's in that division. So getting your perspective from the NFC South is super dope because you're hyper-focused on one team. And then obviously by proximity, you're talking about the rest of those teams also. It's the same thing like when I talk about the NFC East because I'm hyper-focused on the Giants. It's my favorite team. But I also have my content from like a national level where we talk about the big headlines and we're sort of cultivating sports talk radio and sports programming in our own way, our own fun style and making it entertaining. But I agree with you that there is always going to be a place for the local markets because it's the parallels to baseball are very similar to what we're talking about now because regionally, Baseball does, it's the number one program on a lot of networks. But nationally, it's hard for you to get someone to be enthusiastic about Padres, Marlins. It's difficult, but people in San Diego are enthusiastic about the Padres. People in Miami are into the Marlins. That's why baseball, from a national standpoint, always struggles. But regionally, it's the same thing. You turn on ESPN Radio 98.7. In New York and it's all New York coverage and do you think that a lot of those relationships are because the owners and the GMs and the player personnel they have to abide by the media that they're playing for well some of them don't have relationships some of them just they go to where they want to go oh. it's very much driven on their part so is that is that like you're burning a bridge and that's why you you have that some hosts do it because some hosts are just unfiltered. You, have some you say hoes? Hosts. Oh, I heard hoes, bro. Hosts. I know. We're, uh, you know, let me not. Let me not say it. Yeah. Let not, let's keep it PG. I'm saying like some <laughs> of the hosts are unfiltered where it's just they're going to be. It's one thing to be constructive criticism. Some are just flat out disrespectful and they will alienate themselves from getting that because some of them just don't care. They're just like they want to get those hot takes off. They want to trend. And for them to interview a head coach or a player doesn't matter. Like. I don't see much like WFAN in New York. They don't get much player exclusives. See, Julian Love was the only player, ironically. He was uh, he did Tiki Barber's show uh, for Sentu. Besides that, WFAN, they're known for being very critical and coaches don't necessarily go on there or a GM or an owner. But you, I look at the Boston station, they'll get Sam Kennedy, who is a Red Sox owner, or they'll get uh, Chain Bloom, who's a GM, because they maintain those good relations. So I just think... This is going back to like a national media standpoint. And now seeing also players getting involved covering sports. I just think there's a way to be destructively critical without being disrespectful. I feel like we've gotten too comfortable in media where people just want to be disrespectful just to chase that headline. I know we, everyone wants that buzz. They want the popularity. But I just think you have more integrity than that. Yeah, you see that a lot. You see that a lot in, in media. Um, I try to be super respectful whenever I talk to someone, but also like, it's weird, right? Because I, people know I like to bet and especially with the UFC. And now I train at a gym that has a lot of UFC fighters. So I try to not broadcast that. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want in your worst moment, me to be celebrating it. If you do get knocked out, that's why oftentimes I won't talk about fights that I have a dog in the race. If a friend of mine is fighting, when Jared fights often, I don't, everyone knows I'm going to bet on him, 
but I won't advise people if I don't think the matchup is good. Like when he fought Patty Pimblin, I was talking on the show. I was like, round one, I'm going to be nervous as hell. I'm going to be very afraid of that fight because Patty is a fighter that in round one, he's very dangerous. But as the fight goes on, I think it'll favor Jared. But I never want to be that guy that sort of profits off like the worst moment a friend of mine has. Like getting flatlined, they're getting submitted. So that's why I'm very cautious, dude. I try not to I try not to bet on fighters that I train with or train at the same gym as. Cause I don't want that to become there's so many fights on the card, right? Like I could I can make my money elsewhere, but I try to respect that because I never want to be that guy that in your worst moment I'm celebrating. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And you always, you don't want that collusion, but also you just wanna just respect how how much they sacrifice. Yeah. This, this is for all athletes. Right. Like I remember Whoever has like that dark moment, like the Bengals edge rusher, the rookie that committed that penalty. Oh yeah, who was crying? You know, salutes the Bengals. Uh, I think DJ Hill in particular was like really supportive. I think his name was Joseph Asai. I might be butchering his name, but the rookie edge rusher who hit Pat Mahomes when he went to the sidelines. It's just stuff like that where you know you cost your team the season, chance to make the Super Bowl, and you're gonna get blowback for it. But just having that support is just like hey, commit one error. Yeah, it was hard. It lost the team season, but you could bounce back from that. Like people just gotta understand players go through adversity, players go through mistakes, and they think there's gotta be a boundary for real athletes. So that's why when I talk about you know radio stations or you with fires, it's just like not everyone's perfect. Everyone's gonna have their setbacks. I think you could be critical in a respectful way. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. Like assess their performance. Don't demean their character. Right. Separate the athlete from the human. Yeah. So that's that's how I look at it because it's just you look at social media and you know Mike Tyson says it best. Social media got people way too comfortable. Too comfortable, yeah. Disrespecting people without the fear of getting punched. So do you think a lot of that though has to do with the hot take era? Because now it's now, I mean, dude, I, I I try to do it. I mean, I don't try to go like hot takey. I believe a lot of the things that I say, and I'm not. I never try to make assessments just because, oh, this is going to go viral or this is something I'm looking for. But when I am editing and cutting up clips and shout out to Dom, one of the editors for VM, he knows the kind of things that I like clipped, right? I do look for things that are going to pop and make it interesting and trying to navigate the algorithm so that more people see it. But I do think that nowadays a lot of sports content and it got ushered in from Skip Bayless's of the world, Shannon Sharp's, uh, Stephen A. Smith, like that, they ushered in the era of hot takes where I'm going to say some, some outrageous, and then that 30-second clip is going to bring people to my product, making it viral. Do you think that's influenced a lot of how relationships are made and broken in sports media and then how to maintain those? Definitely. The likes, retweets, I mean, those guys you mentioned, look at the time slots that are on those networks. Yeah. Look at the contracts they have, living in their mansions. But that's not. Off. But that's not good content, though. It's not. But sometimes. But there is an appeal for it. That's why an it's working. For it. There's an audience for it, especially in this media-driven world where it's just like watching a 10, 12-minute segment video might not be appealing to them. They just want to hear something for ninety seconds. More power to them. Like you can see, they have a music now. Songs are what two, two minutes two minutes and 30 seconds. I just feel like people just want to instant demand. Just give me a take there. 
substance is optional. Okay. Fair. And I agree with you. And I hate to cut you off, but do you think that's a reason why you've seen so many athletes go their own content route and the players tribunes, people have their own podcasts. Like dude, Draymond Green records a pod. It seems like every, after every game that he plays, but they also get to control that narrative too. Right. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Which is cool. Like I, and one of my favorite shows all smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. They talk about how players now can really control their narrative. It's not a matter of this beat writer is going to put out this story and I can't do anything about it. Because that's how it was in the mid-2000s. You look at someone like Allen Iverson, what he had to go through in Philadelphia and what was written about him, and he really didn't have an outlet to go elsewhere. He just kind of stayed in his box. So now having social media, having podcasts to go on, you go to someone like a J.J. Reck for NBA players who does a phenomenal job. That's where they could tell their story and they could express what they were going through. Like look what recently with Damian Lillard talking about how much the NBA has changed. He went on old man to three. So I think that's like the biggest blessing for now is just you just have to put yourself out there. You gotta know how you want to conduct yourself, how you want to express your thoughts. And also knowing you wanna you gotta have damage control because you're under contract. That's another thing with athletes is like you'll wanna put something out there where teams don't want to invest in you. So you kinda have to maintain those boundaries. So it's all a conundrum at the end of the day, but at least they have that outlet now because I think being able to control your own narrative is one of the most powerful things in the world. Yeah, social media, man, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's Social media has given me everything that I have today, but also you do see a lot of things that are either misinterpreted, definitely misinterpreted, misleading, misinformation, and also, when you don't allow the athlete to properly express themselves, like how many times have you seen in the past where they just grab the headline and they take that one quote that's like, oh, teammate throws teammate under the bus. But then when you listen to the whole quote, it's like, well, that's not what he said at all. Like, yeah, I blame him for dropping that pass, but they leave out the part where the quarterback says, yeah, but, you know, I threw it too far away from him. I could have done something better. But the quote is, Quarterback slanders wide receiver for dropping the pass. It's just a headline. Yeah. And then people won't click. That's another thing. It's just so reactionary, which it's just very unfortunate in this world. Like everything's gotta be so reactionary when it's just like, let's get the validation. Let's get that confirmation that actually happened. Like get me that audio, get me the full quote. Well, what's what's interesting now is with the with the algorithms, one thing that I've noticed, and whether it's YouTube or Facebook Reels. The first five seconds, you need to have a hook. It needs to be a statement or a take immediately. And then the rest of your video, you're able to elaborate. So one of the videos that I had that did really well, it got like over 100,000 views on like the three different platforms that I released was the Chiefs video where the first like five seconds is, yo, if you're tired of, of the Chiefs winning, like it ain't going to, ain't shit changing, basically. And then I went on and say, yo, they had all these rookies record a stat on a box score in the Super Bowl. Mahomes is 27. They have all this cap space, too, that's going to get freed up. And they have all we know is them playing in the AFC title game. That was what the rest of the video was. But then I realized that now the algorithms are ever so changing. And the reason why that's so important, especially as a content creator, is because you have to adapt with that also because your content has to be catered to trigger that algorithm to show your shit 
because there's so many times where a lot of it is like the time of day that you post your your content also and it brings me to the next talking point i want to have with you is how do you go about because you do some stuff covering the falcons like how do you go about your content to cater towards your audience definitely in the morning i always try to look towards the morning especially if it's like an op-ed or a breakdown I just think you always want to try to catch that morning rush, whether it be 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. Those are like the two time windows, sometimes even earlier if possible. Uh, I just think people who are going to work like to consume. Like you got, kind of got to put yourself in their shoes. When do people want to check things out? Uh, maybe there is something for the night crew, but to me, I think at night you either want to watch a movie or watch a game. Like the live action is going on at night. So trying to capitalize on that early window is something that I always try to prioritize. Unless is a certain time slot for those games. For the most part, I just want to hit that. Well, like, you got to look at your shoes. Like, when do you like to listen to podcasts or read? Like, I'm, I'm different. Okay. Uh, I'm different. Um, I like to, so people find it funny, but when I work out, I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music. Or power to you. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, I'm, I'm, I'm disciplined. So, like, it doesn't really... I don't need that to, like, get me going, really. But it's the only time that I have to consume it, too. Because I'm so busy creating my own content. So, the, the podcast that I do listen to... Because I get asked that a lot. Like, what kind of podcast I listen to. It's very guest-dependent for me. I don't really have one that I tune in all the time to. Because I'm creating my own stuff. And people just think you come in and you press record and that's it. Well, nowadays I have people that press record, which has been a great journey and shout out to everyone that's working back there. But it's not, it's not like that at all. You need to come properly prepared. You need to know what you're going to be talking about. You need to know what you're going to talk about. And it goes, it goes a long way. So for me, I always consume content, whether it's a YouTube video, whether it's uh, I listen to a lot of like comedy podcasts. Like I listen to Theo Vaughn often, but even so like that's guest dependent. Like he had George Kittle on recently. I listened to that. Then he had like another comedian on. I didn't really listen to that because I'm just not a fan of that other guy. And the same thing goes with like Bill Simmons, a, a dude that I look up to in this industry. Joe Rogan, the same thing. Like if he has an MMA fighter on, it's, oh, all right, I'll listen to that. But it's very guest dependent to me when I consume my content. And also like the hours that I do it, mm -hmm. it's weird, bro, because I listen to sports with no commentary. I always have the TV muted. So I watch... I watch all my, anything I watch, really, I watch it through my Xbox. I don't have cable because I'm cheap. So since I don't have cable, I have to stream all the apps on there. And oftentimes what I'll do is I'll have Sunday Night Football on. I'll have a podcast playing over it. So like I'm killing two birds with one stone. And I'm typing on my notes for everything. So when I'm watching, the only thing I like watching with commentary is a UFC event after I've gone to it. When I go to a UFC event in person, I like to go back home when it becomes available for free. I'll rewatch it there so I can hear the commentary. But for the most part, I have the commentary muted. You want that analysis? You want to know, you know Dude, why, I, why do you throw that leg kick? You know, why is he checking here? Why is this? You know, why yeah, is he throwing it, combinations? It's that, and also I do it mainly so that I can make my own judgment and opinions i don't want it to be influenced in any way like how much shit does like daniel cormier get when a dude from aka is fighting and he's calling his fight it's just a natural bias there like obviously i, I expect that to be the case but for me it's that's the way i consume my content so to answer your question i know i went off on like a long rant but i don't really have a time i do like to me personally 
I like hitting my days is the one thing I say. So it's always Monday. It's always Thursday. And the exception that it's not, it's because there's an extra episode coming in. There's a preview show. There's a special guest, a special interview. That'll change the dynamic of the scheduling. Would I love to always have the episode up early in the morning to hit that window? Yeah, for sure. But then I can't too. You know what I mean? It's not humanly possible. It's not. I would have to record a different day in order for me to do that. When it comes to former athletes, we've had that discussion you have a particular favorites. We have some that probably should, maybe should not be in this space as much. But do you like the trajectory where it's just like more athletes are getting involved, whether it be doing analyst work or having their own podcast? Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, why why stop them, mm-hmm. right? Like, why stop them? I do like the route that, like, uh, and I know I'm biased because that's my guy, but Will Blackman, mm-hmm. he started off as doing guest spots. Like, it's good to get people in front. And we were when we were doing the podcast together, that was something we were doing. We were getting a lot of athletes that want to tap into the media. We were getting them to come on the pod because that's a way where it's like your first introduction to it. So you start doing, like, media hits and you do guest spots. And then from there, maybe you get an opportunity to host your own podcast or you get brought on to a show to be a full-timer on there. Like, you see, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. Right? Now he's a... He contributed to that show on Fox, but he was coming on as a guest. So it's like you kind of usher them in slowly. Because, dude, we've talked about it many times, and I feel like not not all athletes are just going to become great analysts after. There's it's a, a real craft. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a different approach to you breaking it down. And I, I think that's some of the best ones, though. Like, I like Greg Olson. I like Tony Romo, obviously. Chris Collinsworth has grown on me a ton. But then there's others where I'm like, mm. and I don't want to mention any names because I might work with them one day, but th- there are certain people that I just don't find that interesting. We all have our favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think more athletes are taking it seriously though, which is good. Like they see, look at the contract. Well, it's the second Tony part. Tony Romo of, has now. Right. But it's also like the second part of your career. Mm-hmm. So you, you retire as an athlete from playing and you're what, 34, 35? Like you have the rest of your life after the shelf life for you, you shouldn't be tapping into different things that'll keep you interested and to keep your name relevant and keep your name out there. Some don't look for relevancy, though. You know, they live in their mansions. They got plenty of money. Some also just want to stay with their family or they get into coaching as well. So there's other yeah. avenues. I, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, obviously some players definitely chase those headlines, but I think relevancy is just like, all right, you had your time with a lot of athletes. It's just, we were at the peak. Now, what's the next stage of our lives? How are we going to help the next generation, which I think is always cool? Just how are we can influence, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through media. How can we bring someone else? Like, I think, bring up all smoking. And now you got how Showtime, which I think is, I love what they're doing. Getting like a Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, gang athletes involved that just like under, they fit an umbrella. And I think a lot, when, you, when it comes to a show, you got to have, some sort of message behind it. But it's like, whether we raw on filter or we more analytical based, or we're going to just be more opinionated and we're just going to tell stories or just pure interviews. So I just think you got to kind of find your niche and then build a, a lineup around it. Because some guys, you, some guys just aren't, they don't got the storytelling abilities. Like I'm not, like as much as I love Greg Olson, I'm not sure if he could necessarily tell me these raw thanks stories where it's just like, wow, we came from here. Like, 
you know, he comes from a clean, pretty clean background. Like, I don't know if he would fit on a certain program, but then when it comes to breaking down the X's and O's, oh, give me that all day. I want to know about zone blocking scheme or how this team is running uh, two-man high. Like, that's brilliant. So I think it's just very much trying to find your niche. Of course, you want to be versatile. We both pride ourselves on being versatile. But there's certain lanes you just don't want to step in because you just know the audience will not be appealed by it. But I think there needs to be a happy medium because I think I think it's also like an acquired taste because you're definitely way more X's and O's than I am. So that's why I think our dynamic works and why I like recording with you is because you're like by the book, very, you have a background in journalism mm -hmm. where I didn't. Like, you know, I dropped out of school because I was a fan of creating content and I love football and I love sports. So I talk about it from like a fan perspective. And even the way I talk is like from a fan perspective. So there's people that are interested in that. And then sure. there's other people that are interested in just the X's and O's. So being able to be versatile in both, I think is very important in, in any sport that you're talking about. Very true. What do you think is the future of uh, sports media? Right now we're in 2023. And first quarter is done. So, but like, where do you think things are going? And are you happy where things are going? That's a very good question. That is a good question, right? That's you thinking, bro. Yeah. Because obviously, look, everything's <laughs> digitally driven now. We see more and more editorial just not valued. Like, print is going diminishing by day. We see articles like publications are just kind of begging for subscribers at this point. Like I feel like every month publications like sign this deal to read for this amount of content for a month. And I come from a journalism background. I still think there's a lot of value in articles. Like I love the athletic. I love the roster they have when it comes to what's getting to the point of those local markets we talk about. You know, if you want homegrown coverage, they have a beat right for it, which I think is brilliant. But you know, I, I think we have to grow up the times. It is digitally driven. There are gonna be segments where they're going to talk about a certain team for too much. Like people complain the Lakers are always on ESPN. That's the nature of the business. So I think the more you come to terms with how things are while hoping for change is the best way to go about Because, yeah, there are things that frustrate me. Like I didn't like, if I could be critical, like what Patrick Beverly was doing, like coming in and just being ultra disrespectful, like slandering Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a legend. Like, come on, that wasn't right at all. But I could ignore that, you know, which is the power of it. But then you see someone, like I mentioned, J.J. Reich, love Ryan Clark as well. Like, there's guys that you could talk about going to sport, but bring up their memories of what they went through, whether it's through an injury or a contract dispute. Because we don't get that side, which I think is cool about having former athletes. Like, learning about how negotiations work or a particular rehab or a matchup against a former player. Like, I love hearing that stuff. Dude, I never was like that until I started working with Will. So that's what got you in. It, it really opened up my mind, man, because I, I would tell him this all the time. There were so many conversations we would have either pre or post recording. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, that would be such a gem of a podcast. But we were talking about like sports betting on there. But I learned so much about, he'd be like, yo, bro, don't, don't ever tweet about like, oh, F this player for holding out. Yeah. He's like, you nah, learn, you learn like, about that quick. So, so you, you learn, learn about the shelf life. Yo, you learn yeah. about that, but also like, having his perspective and why I love doing that show with him, it was so dope because I was able to learn so much about everything that goes down outside of Sunday, how much it sucked playing a Thursday night football game, how the off season, sometimes you didn't know if you were a fringe starter or a fringe player on the roster, you get that phone call at any time and they're like, yo, you're asked out. Or in his case, he had gotten hurt and then he got released. 
by the Packers. And then he's bouncing around all these teams. And then again, talking about keeping good relationships, he had a good relationship with the Giants and some people on that staff. They gave him a chance to go and work out. And then he ends up winning a Super Bowl. But I learned so much from Will Blackman about, yo, it's a business, dude. It really is a business. You would always hear that as fans, like, ah, it's a business. But you really understand it. And it opened my eyes. Like, I'll never complain about a player holding out to get his money. Yo, go and get your bag exactly. 100% of the time. Always be in favor of the player from there. Yeah, are there some players that kind of are jerks about how they go about it? And even fighters, too. All athletes, they want to get their money and they deserve their money for what they bring to the table. I have a take where I think a lot of, not a lot, but there's like a handful of athletes in every sport that are underpaid. Right, like Steph Curry makes fifty million dollars a year from the Warriors, but what's the lasting impact of Steph Curry on the Warriors? How many fans are going to be Warriors fans because of Steph Curry, and then their kids one day are going to be Warriors fans because their dad was a Warrior fan because of Steph Curry and yeah, the impact that he had, the influence. So, when it comes to an athlete, and that was the the coolest thing about working with Will, man, where I got to really see all the breakdowns of outside of Sunday and it just opened my mind so much and I feel like I know more about football working with him and talking to him about it and then forget about the X's and O's I've told the story about we were at the win last December and uh he had ordered room service and we were watching uh we were watching a football game and dude is just back eating chicken wings and he named out like three plays in a row he's like yo hand off left and I was like first time I'm like ah, I probably got lucky and then the second time he said like yo end the round I was like what the I was like bro there's levels it's, to this. Yeah. And there's levels to the media. There's levels to the content. There's levels to everything. That's why you just have to be open-minded. Like, you could try to know everything. You won't, but at least have an acceptance of learning. And I just think that growing older, you start to accept things. Dude, that's also yeah. my the one thing that drives me crazy. And I get heat for this sometimes where, like, I'll have some of the buddies be like, yo, bro, how many teams did you pick to win the Super Bowl? First of all, I bet, I bet numbers, right? Like, I bet numbers. If I think a line is off... I'm going to bet it. Like, I think the Broncos line is off. I don't think they should be 50 to 1. I wouldn't bet the Jets at 15 to 1. We don't even know who their quarterback is. It's all rumored. But even with Aaron Rodgers potentially going there. So, like, I bet numbers. I don't bet teams. And it's like, yo, how come, how come it's a bad thing if I get new information that I can't change my take? Yeah, that's one thing I think people start to start learning. Like, you could have a prediction. And, look, there's times you have to admit you're wrong. But performance acquisitions, injuries, it changes. You have to adapt with the times. Bro, what were we talking about all offseason last year? AFC West is the best yeah. division of all time. Completely flopped. Mm -hmm. Everyone underperformed except for the Chiefs. Like, even the Chargers, they made the playoffs, but people they were like, we expected them to be like, holy shit, they'll be the one seed. Denver was a nightmare, a disaster. The Raiders were a nightmare and a disaster. Like, why, is, why do I have to be married to that take? I got new information. Why can't I change that? Like, why is that such a bad thing to be like, yo, you know what, man? I, I was wrong about that. I'm on this team now because I got this new info and I think that this team is better than the team that I thought coming in. People get too caught up in you're right, you're wrong. It's just, hey, well, look, we're just trying to get all the knowledge we observed and just trying to give a, an informed opinion. But I think that's also why I've been able to build what I've been able to build with Veterans Minimum is because I'm... I never expect anyone to think too highly of me. I have no issue with like, oh, bro, I went one and four last week. Holy hell. 
where especially in the sports betting space, you see a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I'm 92 and three in my last 95 paces. Like, bro, that's, that's really not possible. Like that's just laws of laws of sports betting. That's not the case. But I think it's admitting you're wrong. Like I have no issue with doing that. Cause that's also, we're trying to be perfect in the most imperfect world exactly. when it comes to either sports and sports betting. Cause you get new information and so much shit changes, right? Like if I like this team to win by seven, but then they go into that game and they have six turnovers. Like, dude, one of my favorite bets last year ended up losing was the Bucks were catching three and a half points against the Bengals at home. It was the regular season game. At halftime, Table Bay was up like 17 points. Yeah. And then in the second half, they had, what, five straight turnovers? It's like, all right, bro. The first half, I felt like a genius. The second half, I felt like an asshole. But that's also, I didn't expect Tampa Bay to have five straight turnovers. That's why new information happens throughout the game where it can change your original take and i i think that's totally fine yeah it's unpredictable so that's why we all love sports it's unpredictable and just you get caught up in the whole who's right who's wrong who can i trust it's just like you could trust those who are candid guys i'll give you a genuine opinion that have clearly done their homework and could give you a well-informed take which is like i have statistics to build this up i have actual knowledge of watching the film or just watching games in general and i have a couple of things behind here behind a player or a coach it's just you have to convince people that which is why we build up followings but to just hold on to one tweet or one take and just to press someone on it just like come on like you know who i am like mm. just, we could stop that it's just i think people just get too caught up and we have to be right or we have to be wrong it's just like no as a culture we're just trying to give our best takes here and it's your decision on who you want to believe in that's the thing you know, and as we we have to try to show people that we're doing everything we can to give them the best takes out there and that you could come to us for information and you could look at the sport differently or, or from my view i just love trying to teach them things yeah yeah i love trying to form, i'm the same way yeah, bro like whether it's do bang or x's nose or just kind of different nuances of a sport or you know tradition it's just Kind of giving them a new perspective because I think that's where they appreciate you. Of course, there's a humor aspect. You like getting your little one-liners here and there and, you know, picks do come along with it. But I just think week in and week out, you want to just inform. You want to give them an idea of like, oh, wow, I didn't think of it that way. Oh, let me watch this player more. Or, oh, there's 32 teams. I'm maybe focusing on them too long. It's just creating possibilities and other options. When you're doing that to an audience, I think that's when they accept you more when you open their mind, because I think being open-minded, just life in general, you have to be open-minded. So that's kind of where I go with that. And you know, just going back to the future of sports media, that's where now it is. It is different possibilities. There's so many networks out there and there's so many different outlets. You can also create your own network. Which is yeah. You know, it's going to take a process, but if you have the investment and you have the belief and you have the real message behind it, do it. If it's more guest-oriented, do that. If it's more breakdowns do that if it's more just past stories because like people want to hear stories they want to hear about the old school days that's especially when something iconic like with uh tim donahy mm. as crazy as that was or we, we were talking about the 2000 ravens so just taking like a particular theme and running with it you never know what numbers can generate it's just you have to kind of craft that story into something where you know it'll appeal to an audience because it's ultimately you have to look at what's going to be appealing that's where it just it comes with Adapting with the times, don't be too hard-headed. You know, there's times I have to realize now, 3,000-word stories, unless it's something groundbreaking, is not a good idea because people are not going to want to read 
3,000 analysis on a Falcons-Panthers game, it's just not going to be interesting. And, dude, I talk about this shit all the time, man. I feel like way too many content creators don't really show who they really are. Like, you have to be able to show your personality mm -hmm. and kind of, like, what you stand for and what you believe in because it becomes relatable. Like, there, there's been so many times where I... Because, like, bro, I feel like, yo, you could go to ESPN if you want stats or numbers. Like, I got to give you my perspective. Have fun with it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Ash. Yeah, and, and it comes off. It comes off the screen. It radiates. When you're talking about something that you really care about, it, it's infectious, bro. And people gravitate to that. And I think that's a big problem that I see. Like, there's way too many people that are not, not that being by the book is, like, a bad thing. I'm saying where they don't show themselves and it's not as relatable and then it it i think it takes a hit on your content if we could break down a chiefs Bengals game and they could stick to the script and you'll give you five eight minutes here and it might be interesting but we want that passion we want to talk about man this is one of the best matchups i this is the reason why you have to watch this matchup this is the reason why oh man pat mahomes joe burrow in this setting you know what's the atmosphere going to be like you just got to not be a promoter, but show your enthusiasm. I think enthusiasm really gravitates to listeners or readers, however you know you put yourself out there like that. I just think they got to be able to feel it. When you create that general excitement and they know it's not something like you, they know it's not scripted. They know it's not like a sponsored post or anything where you, they could just tell, no, you're going to be watching this and we could go back to it as well. Like We can't wait to hear your reaction to it because we know you're all in. You're not going anywhere else. Your eyes are glued for however many hours it may be. I think that's the beauty of it as well because if you're not passionate, people are going to quickly get away from you. Like, why am I going to be so invested in this, involving with this person when it's just they're kind of doing it as a job? You have to be passionate about this because being a fan is passionate. It's, it's what we do. This is why we dedicate hours to watching this, money to go to games, jerseys. Like it, this is serious time investments. This. If you're not passionate about it, then get out. Something else to do, yeah, and especially when you start doing content about it too. Mm -hmm. That's that's why you need to show your personality because then then it grows stale. That's something that I never wanted to, to have happen with anything that I do. I want to end the conversation with this. How do you stay disciplined with everything that you do? As far as look, man, we've talked about it in the past how it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows when you want to go and record, and it's not always going to be fun. And hell, even there's been times, bro, where like. Dude, there's nothing that pisses me off more than when a guest cancels on me. Let me rephrase that. If you cancel the first time, I get it, bro. Life happens. It was an emergency. You couldn't make... I totally get that. If you cancel a second time, I could be stubborn. It could be my ego. I'm never asking you to come on the show again. And I want to make that very clear because there's people that are going to see... I'm going to clip this. There are people that are going to see this. And I want you to understand that, bro, there's a especially me where I'm the host, I'm the booker, I'm the editor, I'm the producer, I'm everything Veterans Minimum is me. When I get someone to come into the studio or to call in, I'm expecting to bounce off you. I don't like doing solo shit. I'll do an ad read. I'll do a five to 10 minute like rant or, or, or touch on something. Like a lot of, oh, even this, I don't know, that when this episode goes up, you know, Aaron Rodgers might have officially gotten traded. I'll come in for five, 10 minutes and talk about, hey, it's about time he got there, whatever it might be. But for the most part, when, when you have someone to come on, like, yo, your time is super valuable to that person. 
And there's a there's a business. Like this is a show needs to be run. So when you bail, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. You you put a, you hold them out to dry. It comes down to standards, and that's how I stay disciplined. When people expect of you something. It's not hard for me to get motivated. You put me in a position where I need to deliver, I'm going to do it, especially people that I truly care about and I know it's going to an audience. And the way I've built my audience is just like, okay, they have, there's expectation there. Now I need to really dial in, eliminate all distractions around me, put my phone on Do Not Disturb, take a break from the music podcast listing and just go in for a couple hours and make it happen, whether it's a player breakdown, a uh, piece about new culture happening within the organization or a coach coach's scheme like it's just a matter of really honing out something and just knowing that okay i got my statistics here i got my sources here now i gotta put this into a cohesive piece because i love because i'm a natural storyteller so i like building everything where it's like we have three main components and it's all we've got to be aligned properly because i'm a perfectionist and it's hard to be perfect but through taking the necessary time Preparation is very key as well. These are things you just have to do day in and day out. And that's how you stay disciplined. Just knowing you have these expectations on you and setting a precedent. And it does come a routine a little bit. And it might get frustrating, but ultimately you're in this space for a reason. And that passion is going to drive you no matter what life adversity you're going through necessarily. Because yeah, times get hard. Times where a team, especially over the Falcons, where it gets a bit dry. But when you know people depend on you, and when you know you're blessed to be doing what you're doing, it doesn't take much to stay disciplined because it's going to drive you. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I don't think it's motivation. I definitely think it's discipline. Yeah. And uh, just being, obviously being consistent, but also being disciplined because like, bro, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was funny. I, um, I do jujitsu, as everyone knows, but I'm not the biggest fan of the gi, which is like the, the alpha you wear and you put your belt on and whatever. I like the no-gi stuff, which is, like, basically I can go and, I mean, I wouldn't, but I could go and train in, like, jeans. I definitely wouldn't, but it's, it's, you don't need that, that outfit, right? And, bro, I had such a good day when I went to VSIN. I made my debut on VSIN, and I connected with a bunch of people there, and then I got another email with this company, which I can't mention because it's still being discussed, but, like, I was batting a thousand that day, and, one way to stay disciplined and humbled for me is is BJJ. Because I went there, I showed up in the gi, and one of my uh, main training partners was like, yo, bro, you're in the gi? I was like, yo, I had too good of a day, and I needed to get humbled. My head is already big, bro. Like, I, like seven, three, four, it's like when I wear the fitted, I get that tight red mark around here too, so I can't get any more of my ego in, in my head to fucking explode. But I went to I went to jujitsu for that, and it's like being humbled and being disciplined, bro. It's the reason, like, it. it it carries on to everything else that I do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Like, I work out when I feel like shit. I go to jujitsu twice a day sometimes when I feel like shit. But it's like, bro, this has to get done. Like, it just needs to get done. And getting shit done is, like, the way I would define, like, how I live my life. It's like, yo, no matter what, you're going to have some whack shit happen to you. You're going to have a lot of things that are just, you're not going to have the energy for it. You're not going to have fun to go do it. But you got to get shit done. And that's why, like, being consistent with the podcast all these years I'm reaping the rewards now, being consistent and disciplined with my training and jujitsu. I'm, I'm reaping some of the benefits now. And it's just having those things kind of coincide is the reason why I keep going and keep striving. And it's fulfilling. Yeah. Because 
you're doing things you love and once you see it all come together and you see the reaction dude i do the same i do the same five to six things every day i i create content i i i come to the studio i lift bjj video games like that and it's it's all shit that i enjoy doing even when i come into work and i'm working here it's dope because like i also i'm also in a unique situation where i'm behind the camera and i'm in front so I get to network with all these people that when I'm sitting in on a show and someone comes in, it's dope that I get to meet that person. And then through that, you meet someone else networking. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's like, bro, I've worked yeah. like two 30 in the morning to go and fucking flip eggs and make coffees in 12 degree weather in New York city. This doesn't oh, work to me. Yeah. This is, this is a, a, an amazing venture. That Your I'm joy. On. Oh, a hundred percent. So that's why like, the whole getting shit done—it's—it's it's a big part of like everything. Oh, a phrase. That's a very New Yorker of you. That's that's just <laughs> the truth, bro. That's just the truth, man. And I want to wrap this conversation up with, uh, once again, thank you for coming out to Vegas. I hope you had a great time. We recorded a bunch of content. Um, you will see that we're wearing the same outfits on a previous show, so because we recorded this one after, but uh. What do you think? Um, super generic. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, this question often, I never have a good answer. Uh, I think not having an answer makes it exciting. Yeah. Like, of course, you want to be in a role as a director or a lead talent. Like, I just, I pride myself now over the past year become a real leader. And I've fully accepted that I'm probably more better behind the scenes than better being on camera or as a writer especially with writing being a little more devalued compared to past years, but you know, look, I'm open-minded. So it's like, ultimately it's always, we'll be working sports, entertainment, and music. That's where I'm always going to be at my position now where I'm truly doing what I love. You won't catch me in any other industry. Like I got to be doing something that drives me because I'm waking up five thirty six in the morning. Sometimes I get to the office. So it's like, I need to be engaged there, but ultimately it's something in the leadership role, whether I'm guiding talent or I might be a lead editorial writer, who knows? I'd be still working in radio podcast space, but I might be still working in journalism. Who knows? But ultimately, it has to be somewhere as a leader. I've, as I'm growing now, I just like making a difference in people's lives. I like inspiring to four different things. Right? I do podcasts, content, content strategize, and I model. I do a lot of cool things, and I manage property on the side. So I got my hands in so many different fields, and I think I could make a difference, whether it's with the brand, or with publication, whether it may be, I just leave those possibilities open. But ultimately, I'm a leader. So wherever that guides me, director, manager, that's where I'm going to be in five years. Hmm. I love it, man. I think you're definitely on that journey for sure. And uh, you're in a place now where it's very validating too, right? Yeah. Like after, after all the years of work, like seeing this for me is like always going to blow my mind. And when I come off that exit and I see the win, like, it's super dope, man. And to answer the question that I asked you, in five years, bro, I hope to have, obviously, the platform continues to grow. The trajectory that it's on, I think I'll definitely get there. But, man, I want to build out my dream show. Like, I want my show to be five days a week. I want to have a consistent panel and crew and, you know, get some of the guys that help with VM, have a voice on the show and sort of influencing others once again yeah, yeah and sort of have like the i mean i'm already coining veterans minimum as the best sports betting vibe on the internet so it's something that i want to dive more into and 
and getting better, just constantly getting better. Like you, I, I don't mind. I'm very persistent, so I don't mind like having to wait. Like it, it's all good. Like everything is working. Like the process, I'm, as we know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I didn't want to use that word because it gets played out. Like yeah. we'll talk about that all the time, but it's. I have no issue with it taking long, man. And and my main goal is that to turn it into a a live show that airs wherever it might air and have like the homies come and just chop it up and it'd be dope to be able to hire my friends, bro. Mm -hmm. Like even you to be like, yo, bro, here's X amount of dollars a year and we just, we fucking just shoot. That's the biggest blessing. But as you know, most things don't happen overnight. Like you hear about success stories, but it's such a rarity that happens overnight. Like it's a real three to five, seven years of just continuously building yourself up. Ultimately, people want to know about your dependability, as you know. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah, you, like, for you sure. You have to showcase yourself. You really just have to build up your bio work. Like, you know, a resume is legit. Like, people might make fun of you for, oh, you need to build up your resume. No, you really need to have a resume. I need to show what's your skill set. What are the qualities? Have you really been performing at a high level? And, and Or have you really built yourself up? Because we come from different fields where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm with the major companies. While you, you really, even though you're, you're with a major company now, but you did yourself independently at first. And you did it homegrown. So, but then you have numbers to prove. I've done it for this long. I've connected with this many. Right. Audiences. Did somebody, dude, yeah. I, I, bro, I talk about this all the time. I was recently on a show and I was talking about how every opportunity I've gone has had none to do with my social media presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a presence, but it's not like, holy shit, you have hundreds of thousands of people. It's like, no, it's, yeah, it's that. It's seven and a half years of work. And also like the way I've been able to sort of cultivate everything together where like, I can't separate business and personal because my business is personal. Yeah. And being able to just combine everything like, yo, if I get something for VM, I'm going to promote it on my shit too. So it's reaching a lot more people than what it's coming off as. And you have the identity. And that's something I, I should emphasize. Like, you got to have some sort of real identity. What are they coming to you for? Right. And they know what you got. You got the bang side. You got the fan side. You got the humor side. I don't think you give yourself no credit for your, your comedy. Let's go. Yeah. I'll be and, doing yeah, stand-up in six months. Oh, all right. I don't, I don't know about that. Part. I'm talking about, like, just dropping the one-liners here and yeah, there yeah. and, you know, riffing on a couple of things. Like, you know, there's a humor aspect to it. Which comes from... But again, that's showing yeah. your personality. Because exactly. that's that's how I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I keep saying, like, bro, if you're a content creator, you can't just be married to the numbers and the analytics. Like, it's dope. Know your shit. But you have to show your fun side and, like, what makes you interesting and why it makes you interesting. You know what I mean? Like, bro, we were talking about uh, Holland on uh, on the Dolphins. I was like, bro, number one safety in the game because he shot a shot at a Bella Danger. It's like, yo, you know, like this kind of, if you get it, if you get it. If yeah, not, look it up, but don't do it at work because you might get fired. Yeah. Just, you know what I'm saying? Knowing so, those tidbits and yeah, and it's having fun with timing, it. Timing is also, I think, the woody side of it. If you just properly time your whatever you want to drop, it become a hit. I love it, man. This was fun. I like having this conversation with you. I feel like we did it uh, last, last like spring, we had a conversation similar. So every now and then, just uh, pull back the curtain, talk about like what we're doing, what our plans are. And also, you know, we're, we're two people that are in the content space. You're, you're from a different aspect and like more radio side of it. And I'm with the podcast side. So it's cool to get those perspectives and 
hopefully people just like start doing some cool shit, man. If you want to just start. And again, it sounds so cliche, but a reason why is because often repeated. So it was, it was dope to have you in Vegas for the weekend, man. I had a great time. I hope you did as well. Celebrated your birthday, had some nice dinners. Got to experience some cool shit. Got to bring it to the studio, which was one of my top priorities is to get to get everyone, man, everyone that uh, that helps with VM because it is a team. I get a lot of the credit because my name is on it. But, bro, like I said before, if you weren't coming on here and doing this show with me, I don't know if I'd be motivated and inspired as I am. Dom cuts up all the clips whenever I need him to. And what's been my, my favorite thing, bro, the most fulfilling thing is how many guys have come and helped VM grow to where it's at and then have grown themselves by using this show as a springboard because I can't, I can't afford to pay anyone. I can't bring on anyone. That's my main goal. Like I want to call up, I want to call you up one day and be like, yo bro, tell your job to go F themselves. I'm going to pay you salary. And now we're doing this dope shit. Like I want to tell Dom to tell his employer to go Eric to tell his employer, Alex, like tell all these guys, like that's my main goal. And having, seeing people use Veterans Minimum and the brand and the body of work to then elevate themselves to get gigs, bro, it's been so, like, humbling and so fucking dope. Yeah, it's assassin. Because now people have their own career jobs mm -hmm. that they got from helping a podcast dude out of Queens, yeah. you know, edit a couple clips, and then that's been turned into them now having gigs with the places that they have, which has always been my main goal, whether it's, to one day be able to pay people or at least help people get paid. Being that positive influence, you want to change lives. You want to see the next generation grow. Because we are getting that space now, being in our 30s. Like, who's going to come these teenagers? You know, I know Gen Z gets a bad rep, but there's talent out there. So being able to identify talent and trying to hone them in and you know, give them the valuable game to make them the best version of themselves. And who knows what their clone could be. But when you see them land that dream job and eventually work with you to build something that people are going to remember, there's just no better feeling in the world. That's why we're just so passionate about this because you just see something that comes to life because we can see how much is put into this, so much technical details. And it all coalesces, man. That's what we do it for. I was like, well, well, I don't even know what word that was I used. Coalesces? Just things that come together. That's a nice yeah. one. I'm going to add that to the arsenal. Yeah. I got to step my vocab up, bro, because I know Ross was in there, one of the oh, guys man. editing, and he was dropping these words. I was like, bro, I don't even know what that word means. It's another thing, showing your personality, right? Like, yeah, this is, how we, many can, we, we got gifts, people. <laughs> you got to utilize your gifts. Got it. Yeah. You got to know your strengths and double down on them. Hey, sure. at NickDayus10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. Check out the Patreon. You get this content out early. And thank you all for contributing to the Patreon. And also, around this time is when I'll be debuting the new logo and the new artwork. Alan, Alan saw it. He likes it. A lot of the people that I've shown like it. And a lot of you guys contributed, too, because you guys voted on some of the polls that I put up and getting a little bit of advice from you guys. So I thank you guys so much for everything and continuing to listen. And once again, tell your friends, I... I don't pay for any ads on social media apps. I think the best endorsement is word to mouth. Everything that I enjoy has been from a friend of mine telling me to go and check out. So I think that's the best co-sign you get. So tell your friends, tag us on social media that you're listening. And Alan, where can they find you? Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N.